0: It's funny how I-15 kind of becomes this incredible barrier in life, isn't it? Like you're like, we used to live right over at the Rockledge Apartments and our whole life was in this part of the valley and now we live in Riverton and we're like, we should go across I-15 sometime. Um, but uh, it's, it's good to be here with you today. I'm one of the pastors over there and uh, they're well cared for today and happy to, happy to get to preach to you. Uh, a really good friend of mine, Kevin, will be here next Sunday to preach. Kevin Inafuku, you don't have to spell that. Um, but uh, he's uh, just a great guy serving in Hawaii right now. He helped us uh, at Gospel Hope for a few years and um, just thankful to get to serve you guys as a church family and to pray with you and see what God will do, right? We're, we're in his care. We, we're under his love. And, and the passage we'll go through this morning will even remind us of that together. Uh, my wife Colleen is here. She's right there. And uh, my little guy, Tim, so he's always nervous when I preach about how he'll be involved in the sermon, and I already warned him that he will be slightly today, but not, not too, too much. Um, John chapter 15, uh, this is probably the most feminine uh, slide deck I've ever used. Uh, you can see it, but I thought it fit with our verses today, and really that's what we want to make the center of everything. I'm thankful for the songs that have been chosen already because I feel like they've actually put... God at the center of our service, that they've lifted Jesus up. And what did Jesus say? If I'm lifted up, what'll happen? I'll draw everyone to myself. And so I'm praying that that's what he'll do today, even through his word. But I figured since I started with that kind of feel of the slide deck, I'd go totally the opposite direction with the opening question. Here it is. Give me that next slide. Huh? Why do boys love to wrestle? Anybody have young boys? They love it, don't they? In our house, we call it tackle. And uh, my son is often like, dad, can we play tackle? And sometimes I surprise him and start a tackle match that he's not ready for. You know, I get him in the hallway and I chuck him on the bed and it's just free for all. It's funny, as boys grow up, the stages change, don't they? When he was little, we used to play tackle and I was trying to be really careful that I didn't hurt him. Okay, now he's bigger. I'm worried that he's going to hurt me. Like that one of these flying knee jumps is going to get me. But he loves to play and we play, you know, as long as I can take it. I realized something when I was thinking about tackle this week. We have never finished a wrestling match in my home because my son tapped out. We have never wrestled for so long that he said, dad, can we stop? I'm tired. He would actually keep on going and going and going. It's always me who's like, I think we're good now why do little boys or even adult boys, right, love to wrestle? I think it's actually a reflection of something bigger, isn't it? That human beings crave connection. We were built for it. Ever since Genesis, when Jesus said to Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. We've reached out for connection, haven't we? And isn't it ironic in the world that we live in that we are more connected than ever through technology and other things? But doesn't it feel sometimes like we're less connected? I can hold more conversations through text today than ever before, and yet I feel more distant sometimes than ever. I have a brother in the military in special forces, and part of his Training early on was to spend, I think, 24 hours in solitary confinement. Do you know what solitary confinement does to a person? It messes with you because God didn't design us to be alone. We need connection. And that's exactly where Jesus is going in the verses we read, isn't it? He says it quite simply in chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. I am the true vine. And that's the reason that I chose the title this morning, that we have a vital connection with Jesus. The big idea in this text, I think, could be stated this way, in a world filled with loneliness and actually also calling for us to have deep connection to things that actually don't matter. I mean, millions upon millions of Americans will sit on their couch and grab their bag of potato chips and do what this afternoon? Watch football. Is football cool? Yeah. yeah. That's why millions of people watch it. Right? That's why like, people will organize their whole weekend and some people who are season ticket holders, tens of thousands of dollars around traveling and being there and tailgating and blah, 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 blah. Huge. Does it matter? Like really matter. Like Like eternally matter. I don't want any of you to boo me but I'm a New England Patriots fan. I know, that's very sad. And some of you are like, you can finish now. (laughs) Josh is like, I didn't know that. I wouldn't have invited you. I grew up in New Hampshire. That's my excuse, okay? That's, That's my home from where I, that's where I grew up zero to 18. Concord, New Hampshire. Not Concord, like North Carolina, but Concord, New Hampshire. I'm a Patriots fan. In the first, you know, in my adulthood, from 2000 to 2000, you know, 20, 23, how has it been for us? Real good, right? Like six Super Bowls good. Like it got weird if we weren't playing at the end of the year. My wife is from Ann Arbor, Michigan. She's a Detroit Lions fan. Now, thankfully, we had like the Tom Brady connection, so that worked out all right. But the Detroit Lions haven't won a playoff game in 65 years, They haven't been to the playoffs since like the early 90s. Do you know what doesn't matter? And yet there's this call in our culture for deep connection to things that actually don't matter that much. And so in a world with that contrast of loneliness and calls for deep connection with things that aren't really that important, as Christians, we must value and pursue close connection to Jesus. Jesus. We could say it this way. We gotta stay connected to Jesus. I am what? The true vine. Can we unpack those ideas a little bit? Let's start with that first thought about being the true vine. Give me that next slide. There we are. Jesus is our vital connection. He is the connection that our hearts need. I recognize as I was studying this passage that I tend to kind of skip right through that phrase to Jesus is the vine, but there's actually two words there, aren't there? Jesus is the true vine. You know what that means? Jesus is the right place for our hearts to be connected. But it actually goes deeper than that. When John uses the word true, he's actually going farther than just that it's right versus wrong. John's actually saying, and by the way, he uses this word way more than any of the other writers in the New Testament. He's saying that Jesus is the real connection, the genuine connection, the connection that will actually work, the connection that our hearts actually need. He's the real deal. He's the real thing. You'll often hear someone who's, who's searching and, and looking for some answer in their life to, to recognize that there's some sort of hole in their soul. There's some sort of gap that needs to be filled. And here's the great news today. Jesus is the real connection. He's the real thing that our hearts long for. Now, we can fill it with other things, and they will temporarily band-aid that hole. But they'll wear out, won't they? Jesus is the real connection. By the way, the idea that Jesus is the true vine implies that there are things that are not the true vine. So, So it implies that there are wrong connections. There are religions all over the world that, well-meaning as they may be, do not lead to God. We are not all traveling up the same mountain on different paths. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father without him. Jesus is the real connection, but it also implies that there are counterfeit connections. There are things that we will get connected to that we think will fill us up and meet our needs and work in our souls, and they actually don't. But I love the fact that these verses say Jesus is the true vine. We have a little garden in our backyard. Don't, don't, don't be impressed by that. It's really little. The homeowner before us had like a mulch bed and a raised bed. He was the one who knew what he was doing. He had run like water lines doing stuff. Wouldn't even use those things. But we planted, how many things did we plant, Colleen? 10? 8? Even that small, it was too many. Everybody do that? Like everybody read the back of the seed thing and it says like two feet in between plants and you don't do it, that's us. So on the very right edge, if you look out my back door to our mulch bed and raised bed, we put a pumpkin vine. That thing says like eight feet or something. We're like, nah, who needs that? So we got a pumpkin vine and then we have two zucchini plants. We, you always print too much zucchini those things are crazy. Uh, And then we have two yellow squash plants. Then we had a raspberry, little raspberry bush, and a tomato, tomatoes in a pot, like a big uh, half barrel sort of thing, tomatoes. So we have the pumpkin over here. That vine just decided it was going wherever it wanted. And before we knew it, that pumpkin vine had climbed through the zucchinis, right? across the yellow squashes. We, we've all but buried the raspberries. I don't know where they went at this point. The other plants just ate them. And then it climbed up into the tomato plant and it's sticking out the other side of the tomato plant. It has to be 12 feet away from where we planted it, something like that. And all along the way, it's popping out pumpkins. So we have one that started, this little pumpkin, and we let that grow. We nourished and cherished that thing, it was awesome. And now it's on our front porch. It's great. And now there's this big one over here and there's another one next to it and there's little circles that are happening and, you know, it's just like the vine went. Isn't it cool that Jesus describes himself as the vine? Because when we think about a vine, we think about something that's, that's like the source, the, the conduit of life. It's life-giving and it's fruit-producing. Isn't that the great need of our souls? That that we would have life and have it abundantly? Jesus says, that's me. I am the true vine. And this was timely for his disciples because he was about to go away, wasn't he? He He's about to die and rise again and ascend to heaven. And all they'd ever known was this connection with Jesus that was right there around the fire, walking and Heal, he, seeing him heal people and serve people. They'd been right in the middle of the connection and now he was going away. But Jesus had good news for them. You can stay connected to me. And it's the same thing he tells us. Jesus is the vital connection. But look what it says beyond that. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. God the father is the great gardener. This is really cool. I, I don't have... Nearly enough time to, to like go down this, you know, well, very far, but I, I would encourage you to. Because if you think about the I am statements, can you, can you reel off some of the I am statements in the Bible? In, in the book of John, Jesus, this is the last one I am the true vine. But, but what are some of the other ones you've covered as a church? I am the way, the truth, and the life, John chapter 14. What else? I'm the resurrection and the life at the tomb of Re- Lazarus. What a powerful moment. What else? I am the door, right? The, the path to safety and peace. What else? What? I am the living water, right? Any more you can think of? This is not a quiz. I'm just curious. Bread. What? Bread. The Lamb, right? Slain before, or killed before the foundation of the world. Good. The Lamb of God, John said. John the Baptist said. Yeah. Bread of life. There's one more. John chapter 10. What? The good shepherd. Think about how all those I am's meet deep needs of our souls. The need for satisfaction and protection and have our sins forgiven. But you know what's interesting? This is the only I am statement that God the Father tags along with. It's almost like a bonus feature. I am the true vine. And what? God the Father is the gardener. Now, let that sink into your soul for a sec and think about it, okay? Give me that next slide. The the nation of Israel actually has a rich history in uh, vineyards. I didn't realize this. In fact, earlier this year, a scientific article was published where somebody spent the time to do DNA, like research testing, genetic testing on grapes from all over the world. It happened in China. Interesting. Not Wuhan. Sorry, too soon. Um, and they kind of traced where do grapes come from. And they, they identified the fact there's kind of two big spots in the world, historically, that grapes have come from. One of them is from Israel. Israel. They have a deep connection with vineyards. And I like this one because it shows a little bit of the care, right? The fatherly care. There's actually, I have a picture of a vineyard. This is in the Judean hills. And you see these rows of grapevines. And the Bible tells us that God the Father is the great keeper of the vine. So you see what it says in verse two? Do you see what it says, what he does? Every branch, so you got the vine and the branches, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he does what? Takes it away. You know what God the Father does? He gets rid of the dead sticks. He cleans up the overgrowth that's not healthy anymore. And do you see what else it says he does? And every branch that does bear fruit, everything that's connected to Jesus... By the way, there's this unbreakable chain in these verses that if you're connected to Jesus, you do bear fruit, always. Every branch that does bear fruit, what does he do? He prunes it. He's working the vine. Now, none of us raise our hand for pruning, do we? You're like, you know what would be great, God, if you cut off some things in my life. If you sent me a trial that would really grow me, I'm in. None of us do that. If you would make life really hard for a little bit, that would be awesome. If you would send a trial or a difficult experience, if you would, if you would dig down deep in my soul and, and just wrench out that sin that's deep inside of me, that would be amazing. But it's what God the Father does. He prunes. And pruning is always painful. Uh, we've, we've started doing some burpees in our home. Tim and I were doing them yesterday. Yesterday there's actually a TED talk by the guy who started Spartan races about burpees. If you like that kind of stuff, you'll like it. If you think it's dumb, don't watch it. But he says something interesting about burpees. You know what he says? They never get easy. They never get better. He said one time he did 400 burpees a day for 60 days. If you've ever done burpees, you know how crazy that is. I'm like, man, he must be the guy that burpees don't hurt anymore. They hurt. They just do. Do you know when God prunes us, it's painful? It's hard? I don't know if you guys notice it, but Josh fighting through some crud, singing today, being faithful, it's awesome. We had a little bit of a rough morning just getting here, my family did. And I told Josh, it it actually kind of makes me excited in a weird way, I guess. Because when God is, is roughing up our life, he always does it to do good. He always does it to show up and show his glory and show his power. God is the great gardener. He's the one who does the pruning. And here's the comfort that I took. This is a quick idea. How many of you, when you look around at yourself, your family, and even, you know, America and the world, you feel like it's a jumbled mess? Anybody see that like I see it? Anybody feel like it's all kind of wrapped up in this funny, terrible, awful way? You see, like, just the struggles of sin. You see your own heart. You see your mixed-up motives. You see your kids, and, and like, it it just feels messy. Here's the cool thing. You don't have to fix that. God has volunteered to be the gardener. And do you know when you look down that row of vines, how's it look? Pretty cool, huh? Like, straight and organized, And do we somehow think that the God of the universe is a more poor gardener than whoever maintained this set of vines? From God's perspective, he's shaping it all just right. Does that encourage you? Man, that encourages me. That God is the great gardener. He's taking care of the vine. And the last thing in these first three verses is this that a person's connection to Jesus starts at salvation. Now verse three might feel a little bit out of place. Look at this in your Bibles. The Bible says this, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Who's Jesus talking to at this moment? His disciples. And when Jesus is talking about connection here, they might've had this question. Well, am I connected to Jesus? And Jesus here is reassuring them that they are connected. They are already, see that, clean. Take your Bibles, turn to Titus chapter three if you have it. Titus chapter three. We'll come back to John 15 for the the rest of our time. And if you're not comfortable turning because you'll lose John, that's okay. Stay right where you are. Titus chapter three. What does it mean to be already clean? I'm gonna read this from the New Living Translation because I think it makes it nice and simple and accessible for us. There's some big words in here that could be a little overwhelming. Look what it says about what God does when he saves a person. It says this, but when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, this is in verse four, he saved us Listen to this, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins. You are already clean. Giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us in Christ and it was because of his grace that he made us right in his sight. And gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Now I know some of you by name, which is a lot fewer of you than I should know by name. I want to apologize for that publicly again. So if you see me and we talked for 15 minutes last time I was here and I still don't remember your name, I'm very sorry. But I don't know the spiritual situation, the heart situation of most of you in this room. But but can I ask you a simple question? Have you experienced this? Have you heard about Jesus? God the Son who came to earth, lived a perfect life, never sinned, died, and rose again to pay for sin, to to put us in a position where we could be washed clean. And have you turned to Him in faith and said, I believe that. I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. I need to be rescued. I need to be washed clean. I need new life. That's what it means to be already clean. And I hope that that idea would never be intimidating to you. But but if you're in a place there where you're like, I haven't experienced that. I I still know the weight of my sin. I still know the dirt of my sin. I still know the, the crud of my life. And I don't feel like there's any way for me to fix it myself. Well, you're right about that but Jesus can. And if you bow before him and put your trust in him by faith, he will wash you, the Bible says, whiter than snow. That's what it means to be already clean. So where does that leave us? Three great facts. Jesus is the true vine. He's the connection that we need. God the Father is the great gardener who cares for it all. And uh, if you have trusted in Christ at salvation, you are already clean. You, your connection is there. So where does that leave us? Can we, can we put it in like Christian cruise control now? Can we put on autopilot, all good. By the way, I feel like a lot of the air disasters we watch as a family start by somebody putting something on autopilot, but are we in the self-driving car as it were? Look at John chapter 15 again, because here's the call. The truths are great, the call is clear. John chapter 15, back there, verse four. Abide in me. Start counting the number of times we get abide in here. I've underlined them to help you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. Got it. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, by the way, most of us don't really believe this. But but listen to it. Listen to what Jesus said. If you wake up in the morning and try to do life on your own, apart from me, Jesus says, you can do a few things. You can do pretty good. You can do better than average. You can do, Sea level work. What's he say? You can do nothing. If anyone does not or does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So Jesus is our vital connection. But we must stay connected to Jesus. We must stay connected to Jesus. What does that look like from these verses? It's really powerful what that word abide looks like. Sometimes we wrestle with a word like this, but can you think about a word that's really close to abide if you changed a vowel? If you change the I to an O, what do you get? Abode, what's an abode? It's a home. The word abide is the word to dwell with. It's to be at home with. And think about all the things that that means. I was thinking that most of us probably spend at least 10 to 12 hours a day at our home. Some of you who work work from there spend lots of hours there. But think about what it means to abide with Jesus. It actually means to be so closely connected with him that there's a warmth and a rest and a comfort and a presence and a that's where I am. I'm connected to Jesus. And verses four through six make it really clear that this is a bit of an all or nothing proposition. Could you tell that? I mean, verse four tells us that without connection to Jesus, we can't produce anything. So man, I'd really like to have a huge impact in the life of my kids. You can't without Jesus, an eternal impact. Can you have some sort of character impact? Sure. But you can't do anything without him. Man, I'd really like to be a good deacon. I'd like, I like to be faithful as a pastor. I'd like to, I'd like to do uh, an encouraging job in our community group. I'd like to care for people. I, all of these aspirations that we have, Jesus is saying something. It's got to start with connection to me. It has to. And isn't it interesting how easy it is for us to go through the motions of serving Jesus without being connected to Jesus? Without connection to Jesus, we can't produce anything. Number two, keeping connection to Jesus impacts everything. Did you see that? Verse five I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears how much? Much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you know what I think it means to be fruitful? I think it means to to live in a way that's productive, purposeful, and has an impact. Isn't that what we all desire? That, That in our workplace, in our church family, in our neighborhood, in our home, our life would matter. That we would see God at work in us and through us I'm stunned the, the longer I walk with God at how often I neglect my own connection with Jesus and hope he'll work. And he, and he doesn't. And then as I value and pursue my connection to Jesus, he works outside of me. I mean, if you wanna change your family, dads, listen up. If you wanna change your family, spend a little time with God every morning. That's simple. You say I'm going to read a really good book. You can do that. There are a gazillion billion books out there for dads and moms and kids. Some of them are great. You guys have great resources back in that corner. But they're just books. Open this book and spend a little time with Jesus every day, and I'm telling you, watch what happens. God, as you're connected to Christ, bears much fruit. Verse six is is a little scary, honestly, if you read it. Look at verse six. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. You say, what does that mean? Man, you know, good pastors disagree on exactly what that means. But here's what I can tell you. When we lose connection to Jesus, we really do lose everything. We become dead sticks. We have this amazing tree in our backyard. I can look right past it to the little Piddly garden that we have. this big old tree. it's amazing, it produces great shade, which in Utah is a treasure. Shade is awesome. And the tree's probably 40 years old. I mean it's a big old tree, but it's dying. It's really sad. We've had it trimmed a couple times, but it just keeps dropping branches. Like, uh, last winter or two winters ago, and we had a big, heavy, wet snowstorm, one of those early season or late season ones. And all of a sudden, I heard a crack in my backyard. I looked out, and there was this probably 20-foot section of my tree that was now on my fire pit. Ka-junk. I'm like, oh, bummer. I just looked up at my tree the other day because I'm like, why do I have brown leaves in my yard? They're supposed to change color and look beautiful, and why are they brown? It's because there was a limb that had broken off about halfway up the tree, and it was hanging on the tree and dying. Do you know what limbs are worth on a tree if they're broken? What do they become? Firewood. Do you know what happens when we lose our connection to Jesus or when a person ultimately walks away from Jesus? God the Father, the great gardener, picks up the branch Takes it over the pile and puts it away. Ooh, yeah. And do you know why Jesus says it this way? Because he wants us to get how important our connection to him is. The last thing, verse seven, touches on a couple quick ideas here. Connection to Jesus happens through his word. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, this isn't some blank slate to ask for Lamborghinis and millions of dollars. You can certainly pray that God would change a chronic health condition, and he might. But I think what it's saying is as we get closely connected with Jesus, our prayers align with his heart and he answers them. And, and the more closer we get connected with him, the less, the less we pray like through our laundry list of God, give me stuff. And the more we pray for the things that matter to him closely connected to Jesus. So here are some thoughts as we wrap up this morning. Some closing questions. Let's think honestly, and don't look around. I know sometimes with preaching, you can think about how much your spouse needs this, or your kids, or your friend. You're like, man, I hope my friend's here today, because he's really. Think about you. Are you already clean in Jesus? Has he washed away your sin? Do you know him as your Savior? If not, you guys saw Josh playing and Wes and uh, Liz was up here and Jen and anybody here would love to talk to you about how you can know Jesus. It's not complicated. Romans six twenty three says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Are you already clean? But are you rightly valuing your connection to Jesus? Had an interesting conversation at the barbers this week. My barber is a guy named Chris, does a great job, cuts my hair and Tim's hair. We have, we have discussions about anything and everything, business, family. Uh, he's right down the road from Gospel Hope Church, which is doing an addition, so he's asking about that, we're talking. And then he tells me about his son's middle school football team. I don't know if you have kids involved in sports these days, but wow. Wow. He goes, my son has his second playoff game this Saturday. I said, awesome. He's 13. I said, uh, I'm going to ask you a parent question. Do you want him to win or lose? Really? He goes, not going to lie. I would love for them to win, but I won't be sad if they lost. I said, why? 13 years old. He said, they have practiced four nights a week and a game. I said, What? He goes, yeah, we have four nights of practice. He goes, on the fifth night, they only have half practice. And then we have a spirit night. So I bring pizzas and it's big time. Okay. And then we have a Saturday game. I'm like, wow, that's commitment. He goes, in fact, the coach told the players, middle school boys, at the first practice, go home and tell your parents not to go on vacation for the next few months because it's football season. And then there's actually like loaded consequences if you do go. Like you're gonna lose your starting position, you won't play the next game, 13. I said, Chris, I said, can you imagine if you tried to hire somebody and told them those were the rules of working at your company? Hey, by the way, you're not allowed to go on vacation the next three months. No, I'm not talking about being a tax accountant and it's like, you know, tax, I'm talking about like, what? And it's not really about sports. I know I've used sports a couple times and that's something that I connect with. But it's actually so easy for us to value any number of things above our connection to Christ. I've, I've really benefited from a leadership podcast that I started listening to earlier this year. But you know, if I'm not careful, I can search for my connection through that podcast instead of focusing on my connection with Jesus. Some of you are more concerned about your connection to your job than you are your connection to Jesus. Some of you are more concerned about your connection to your family than you are about your connection to Jesus. Our connection to Jesus is everything. It's everything. Without me, you can do nothing. You know, that's why we gather this morning is to sing about Jesus. And to have our hearts realigned and to have that connection strengthened. Do you know why community groups get together? It's not because everyone's bored and we need to do something in the, in the middle of the week. Ain't nobody bored. I guarantee you that every host that opens up their home on Wednesday night or Tuesday night or Thursday night or whatever is tired. Every person who brings a snack is like, woo. A lot of you who show up are like, did I eat dinner or not? Where am I? What am I doing? It's the middle of the week. I know I've been in those places. Do you know why we do it? Because Jesus is the true vine, and our lives depend on abiding in him. Can I read you a verse, one last verse here? 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Do you see what that verse says? Some people, Christians, when Jesus returns, are going to be pumped that he's back. And some Christians are going to be like, oh no, Jesus is back. Do you know what the difference is? Connection, closeness, relationship, abide in him. I wanna go back to those four questions as the musicians come up. We're gonna give you a couple minutes to reflect on this because I know for all of us, there's this incredible pull, incredible pressures to become connected to all kinds of things, to fill our lives with all kinds of stuff. If we're not careful, the thing that gets pushed out the back door, that gets limited, minimized, we don't have time for, we're too busy for, is actually the thing that matters the most. So I'd love for you to reflect on those questions as the musicians lead us. Let's pray quickly and then we'll do that. Lord, would you lead us in this time of reflection? That you might do a work in each heart. This, this text is not for one or two or 10 people in this room. It's for all of us at whatever stage of life we are at. So please draw us to your heart, the best and safest and most wonderful place for us to be. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks, guys.